0: What are the categories of content that this that you your business wants to be found for project management software is a bottom of funnel key phrase because it has the word software in it they offer software so that's people who search for that are only interested in 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 the buying process essentially, they want to learn what's out there and choose one of them, Um, They're not looking to know what project management is search optimized content uh, using tools like is Phrase, ClearScope, whatever platform you want. If you're an early stage business, I would recommend something like Phrase. It's like a cheaper in and they do a lot of good work. MarketMuse mm-hmm. is a bit more expensive and also does a whole auditing thing, which is a bit more intense.
1: Hi there, this is Andre and you are on the Marketing Innovation Podcast Show. Our special guest today is James Scherer. VP of Growth at Codeless. He's helped 10 figure brands like Monday.com or Nextiva dominate categories with content marketing at massive scale. And today we'll dive deep into content marketing trends for 2022, from strategy shifts to AI and SEO driven content production. Exciting times, a very insightful and practical discussion today. James, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show. How are you? How's the day going? It's
0: going very well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this.
1: Yeah, same here. Thank you for being on the show. Um, let's see. So, without further ado, let's let's uh, bring a bit of your background to the table. So I'd like for you to maybe make a quick intro, uh, let people get to know you a little bit, tell us uh, how you started in marketing, what was your journey so far, uh, maybe a couple of highlights. And then we have some really interesting case studies that we were discussing just before the show about, so I'm really excited to get into them and uh, talk a bit about uh, you know, hands-on marketing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so a bit about me. Um... My name is James Shear. I'm currently the VP of Growth at Codeless, which is a content marketing uh, agency. I started in marketing in 2013. I was an English graduate, and when I graduated, like a lot of liberal arts majors, I uh, didn't really know exactly what I was going to do. Um, and I fell into content marketing and writing um, totally haphazardly at a startup in Vancouver, Canada, where I was living. Um, and really, really enjoyed it and suddenly had something to do with my degree, which was handy. And um, I moved from writer at uh, a startup there to editor and then head of inbound. Um, so when I left in 2018, that was kind of my my role. Um, and that was you know a lot of fa- really good foundational understanding of digital marketing because I was writing on a lot of different digital marketing subjects for because our agency, or sorry, the company I worked for did Mm broad spectrum of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I went kind of remote. My wife and I started traveling the world a little bit. So I was writing and uh, I, again, kind of fell into writing for uh, this content marketing agency. And then when I kind of settled back down here in Canada, sorry, here in the UK with my wife um, back in 2019, uh, I moved to director of editorial at Codeless. And then just in January, VP of Growth so my role here is really kind of evolves around. Um, initially, it was managing the editorial staff and the writers, and uh, now it's more our internal growth as well as kind of the strategies that are we implement on behalf of our clients, and we like rec- make recommendations to our clients on how they can grow through compact, content and, and inbound. So
1: that's me. Fun times. Okay. So you started off um, with a sort of written content marketing uh, type of activity, and then you expanded and grew from there. Um, and uh, during your time, when you were ahead head of inbound, were you guys doing mostly organic stuff or were you also coordinating the paid channels such as you know Google ads or uh, other types of paid acquisition?
0: Yeah. So I was um, primarily focused on the organic side of things, uh, though I was pretty involved in the conversion optimization as well with the site, um, which kind of did touch on, we had a uh, paid team um, who we coordinated with for sure, um, just to like target the SERPs they were targeting and vice versa, and then not targeting the SERPs they were targeting. Uh, But uh, it was primarily my focus has always been around uh, inbound organic traffic and leads and sales.
1: (laughs) <laughs> very cool okay sweet so uh you know i i just can't be patient anymore i want to go <laughs> into the numbers because i'm really excited to talk about it's probably one of the most or more popular uh case studies that you that you have been leading on uh, and that you guys uh, have been working on and that is monday.com so we all know as marketers everybody probably saw ads from them or got visibility towards their brand uh in the past two or three years massively um and i know that you guys were behind their um organic success uh and more specifically you were driving the activity there so i'd be really it'll be really exciting uh, and interesting for us to bring as much as you can to the table from that case study and then maybe we can bounce some ideas and um, uh, make a little analysis on what made this case study be, be so successful? And also what can our listeners take away from it to implement or to look at when they are planning their content strategy for this year?
0: Absolutely. Um, and you are absolutely right that we all saw money.coms, I think they, they retargeted us, all of us in 2021. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, yeah, so they came on with us in October of 2020. 2020, 20, uh, fall of 2020. Um, and they very quickly wanted to do massive volume of content. They had been in kind of the market for multiple content marketing agencies. And when we kind of started talking to them and to said like, Hey, we could do what you want to, the volume you want to be doing, which they wanted to do 75 pieces in the first month um, and down to kind of like 75 to 50 in like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Though so in the, in the first 12 months of working with them, we did about 400 pieces of content, um, which was, uh, you know, massive volume. Um, So coordinating the right key phrases for us to target and then uh, determining like everything that we needed to from an outline creation stage for all of our writers to come in. We had like 35 writers on their account one one time. that was all of it, you know. It was it was, it was a lot to do, uh, but it was uh, really exciting, of course, because you know Money.com was a and is a one of those unicorns of, of the tech space. Um, so as I said, yeah, I think 425 odd pieces created in the first um, year. Uh, this on site and
1: off site, or just for on site content?
0: On site exclusive. Everything they did was on site. Yeah. So. Um, I'm sorry, sorry, three hundred and twenty five four hundred and twenty five ranking positions out of eight hundred uh, articles. So oh. seven hundred and fifty articles in the first nine months and then eight hundred by the end of the year because they slowed down. Um, and I think more than half of those three hundred and three and twenty five, three hundred and fifty of them uh, ranking first page for the pri- for the primary key phrase. Um, so massive results. Uh, I think a total of like 23,000 new organic key phrases from those articles exclusively um, and 825 first page rankings across the board. So uh, yeah, so 350 odd for the target key phrase and then 800 first page rankings for all of the articles. Um, So huge results for them and it was really really exciting to work with them and, and do it and we're still we're actually doing another uh, 93 uh, before the end of February for them. So, and that's just starting this week. So I am Easy absolutely dimes. enthusiastic about being on this podcast, but I need to go help. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> after this call. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so it sounds very busy. So. Yeah, it's um, good can we talk a bit about the strategy behind it? Because this is something that we discuss with our clients as an agency as well. And it's always a debating point, like how much should we write? Uh, how much is enough? How much is the minimum necessary? What were? Uh, what was the strategy that you um, went for when working with them? And also what... Uh, what was what determined them to go all in on the on-site only content production, as well as the very high volume? Were you optimizing uh, articles one per keyword and had like a very long list? Were you targeting phrases with more articles at once or what was basically uh, what informed your strategy together and this case study?
0: So we built a, um, sorry it's a. It's, it's a big question and it's a sort it'll be a big big answer, so bear with me. Go for um, it. <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, the answer to the question of okay, let let me set a bit of context. Money.com has a massive marketing budget, they're a massive company, and they knew that they needed um, a significant investment in inbound or in, in the creation of blog content in order to compete with you know significant competitors, really sizable competitors. Um, they also wanted to break into the CMS space, which they weren't currently as, as in as much as they wanted to be. Uh, they wanted to have an entire section on uh, template exclusive content, which it didn't have at the time, uh, let alone the fact that like a lot of primary topics, like the key phrase project marketing software, um, they did not have content for. So the answer to like just, so the answer to how much content should your listeners be producing. Cannot be answered by what Monday did. Um, Monday did higher volume of content, seventy-five pieces per month, of at two thousand words, um, which is above and beyond what most businesses can possibly imagine doing. Their marketing budget is, is is significant. I think what we should discuss perhaps are the takeaways that like, quote unquote, normal businesses um, can actually like learn from what we did with them. Um, so the first step to identify the key phrases that they targeted was to structure everything around categories, which is how I do it with all of our clients, and matter the size. Uh, what are the categories of content that this that you your business wants to be found for? And a lot of people business like think about SEO strategy around like what are the number of like what what do I want to be found for when somebody types into Google? What do, what do I want to shop for, which is an approach. For me, it's more what, what do you want to talk, What do you want to talk about in general? If you're a project management tool like Monday, then it's yeah, project management, but it's also productivity, it's also teamwork, um, it's also, and in their case, CMS, it's also like sales funnel um, optimization because they were doing a lot of like, uh, they they had they added the lead form product. So it's okay if these are the five categories of content that we want to produce. Um, let's prioritize search terms within each of those categories the priority process for them was a little bit more in-depth than I tend to go for. They included um, the kind of value from a paid perspective into kind of the uh, algorithm <laughs> that they use to sped out a priority, uh, a, a numbered priority for each topic. So for instance, project management software is a bottom of funnel key phrase because it has the word software in it. They offer software. So that's people who search for that are only interested in, in, in the buying process, essentially. They wanna learn what's out there and choose one of them. Um, they're not looking to know what project management is. So, uh, so yeah, they kind of took those key phrases um, and ran them through this algorithm based on like, okay, what's the volume of this key phrase that makes it a, a, a high volume search term makes it a priority piece. Uh, what is the intent of this key phrase based on um, PPC uh, cost? Um, and what is the competitiveness of this key phrase based on what is the competition doing and how strong are those domains. Um, along with just like, there was like a fourth variable which is just like, how much we want to rank for it. Right? Like, that, that, like that that je ne sais quoi component of a search term that like, we really like that one, it really lines up with what we're doing this next month, the products releasing, et cetera, et cetera. So all of those kind of variables added up to a priority list for each category um, that uh, kind of was from 100 down to one. We did all of them, (laughs) but how they were done and the order in which they were done was based on that kind of structure of uh, analyzing each one and determining which one was the clearest opportunity for them. So, yeah, then they just kind of did it based on how many can code this, uh, produce in any given month. Um, we, as I said, we had a list of 850 within the year. Um, and, uh, we did all of them. We did, I think 500 or so in the first six months and then 300 or so 350 or so in the next, the next six. So yeah, it was fun. Um, takeaways there would be, Categorize the content plan that you have um, and then think up some level of prioritizing which pieces need to go live first um, around this needs the most love from a link perspective. This needs the most love from like giving it the most, you know, the highest chance to to be indexed and also the highest chance for social media to engage with it and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So get those priority pieces up first um, within each category that you
1: want to produce content within. That's a hell of
0: an
1: answer. Appreciate it. No, it was a you know very good and insightful answer. Um, One question here would be, uh, for example, when you were thinking about the domain authority and what you like the tools that you had in the beginning when you started to produce this content. um, How much? Did this impact the performance of the new pages and the new content pieces that were published on the website? Did you start off having a very good domain authority or were there other link building activities happening in the background that were helping you uh, in certain areas? As you mentioned, for example, prioritizing the pages that need the most link love and then doing that through internal links and external. Yeah
0: so the short answer is that money.com had an existing domain authority or domain ranking on hrefs of like 80 and on some rush of 75 or something like that um so they were already in a very good place which of course helps um and i'd love to talk about uh, another client as well uh, down the line which is kind of on the other side of the coin for a lot of those good listeners who are like well this is all well and good guys but like my domain authority is 35 and i don't have any budget so how can those businesses succeed as well? But yeah, no money.com um, had existing domain authority. They also had an existing uh, link building team. And then they also used so Cogus works with uh, our sister company, which is a, a backlinking agency called Usurp. Um, and so a lot of our clients also use them because links are such an incredibly crucial part of content success. Um, but determining, so yes, so that helped a lot. Um, that said, all of the best practices that we executed on top of that existing domain authority are just as valid for a small business as they are for monday.com. Um, so creating search-optimized content, uh, using tools like Market MarketMuse, Phrase, ClearScope, whatever platform you want. If you're an early stage business, I would recommend something like Phrase. It's like a cheaper in and they do a lot of good work. Market MarketMuse mm-hmm. is a bit more expensive and also does a whole auditing thing, which is a bit more intense, um, but also a great tool.
1: Can we talk a bit then, about them? Like, uh, yeah. sorry for interrupting your uh, yeah, your flow, but I think it's important for people that actually want to look at them to know yeah. uh, what does exactly each of them do. Uh, if we can mm-hmm. talk people a bit through how how to apply, uh, you know, their yeah. uh, added value.
0: So all of those tools, um, the primary function for content creation is actually uh, the optimization component. They do more. Um, but for our purposes, they basically pull the SERP, really the top 20 search results actually for a targeted key phrase. So you wanna write, you wanna you want create a piece of content for money.com um, targeting project management software. Google will, or sorry, these tools will pull um, the top 20 search results for that key phrase, identify the headers within them and the secondary and semantic key phrases that are associated that are within the content that's already ranking. So when you draft a an article, it will compare what you've written to the ranking content and say you haven't touched on task management within your project management software tool or project management software article and all of the competition content does. So as far as Google determining the comprehensiveness of your content, you are lacking in that area. So add in that semantic key phrase and that that subject matter and you will create a more comprehensive article that Google will reward just from the content itself perspective. What these tools don't do is uh, review, you know, the size of the page, the page experience. They can't see images, the quality, or or the, or the you know, the, the weight or size of those images. Um, and they actually don't do headers. So it can't see that in your draft you have an H2, which is optimized for search or not. Um, it can't see the formatting really either, but it kind of can. Um, bolded text, which we know is like a very, minute seo variable but there's something there uh, that kind of stuff I can't see either it's just really around like the subject matter that you've included in your pieces so all of those tools can do that um, all of them also actually clear scope and phrase offer you the ability to like run that report and then send it to a freelance writer or one of your internal writers and have them uh kind of fill in the fill in the the draft and it'll automatically see what like how it's comparing to the ranking content. Um, and you pay usually based on the number of reports you pull in any given month. Uh, agencies, of course, are on agency plans. And so we pull hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hundreds, but uh, that's how our systems work. Um, and they also allow you to do content briefs to a certain extent based on, again, the SERP. So um, what are the headers in the ranking content? And you can pull in inspiration from that content into an outline that a writer can then fill out. So really handy tools. Um, I would recommend people mess around with, with, with those. If you're looking to do high volume content or even just create search-oriented content, those, those, those tools can really be helpful.
1: Nice, thank you for the insights. Um, and now um, back to <laughs> your original flow <laughs> or idea. Sure. If you remember it, if not, uh, or, do you? Uh, Because otherwise I have the other question ready to go.
0: (laughs) Yeah, hit me with another question. I'm sure whatever I was saying will come back up, I'm sure.
1: Okay, uh, the next question was really just a continuation, like, continuing the idea that you started, which was okay, Monday.com was a very big company. Uh, They were already starting off having a big presence and massive marketing budgets. What do you do if you don't? So if you don't have a high domain authority or if you don't have massive budgets or resources to invest into content marketing or SEO, how to go about, you know, in that case? Uh, And here, I was keen to hear your thoughts. An example on, you know, the other client that you mentioned.
0: Fantastic, yeah. So. This kind of brings up another client, um, Early Bird, uh, or getearlybird.io I think, or getearlybird.com. They are a early stage um, financial investment app targeting um, parents, helping parents invest in their children's like financial future. Um, so cool company, cool idea for a business. And again, they when, when they came to us, they didn't have a blog. Talk about domain authority, they didn't have a blog. Um, So we worked with them to build out, okay, how are we going to start building domain authority, creating great content, getting it seen, um, how we're going to link back to this content, and how we're going to get this site kind of momentum from an inbound perspective. Um, And for content purposes, a lot of the stuff we do with BigMoney.com is, is similar to what we do with Early Bird. So it's around, okay, what are the categories of content we're going to target for this client and what do they want to be seen for? In their case, it was kind of the idea of gifting money, gifting in general, um, and then like investment strategy, uh, budgeting for young parents. And um, in more recent uh, monthly fund, it's the crypto space as well. So if those are the categories... Uh, we do a pillar and post structure, which I would recommend people do as well, based again on the categorization of content, um, targeting the highly competitive, high volume search terms first, getting them written and indexed, uh, and then every article that you do in that category after the fact, say say you're doing 30 pieces of content per category over the course of a year or over the course of 18 months or whatever, um, three to five of those Within each category should be pillars, and then the remaining twenty-five or so should be support pieces that backlink internally to the pillar pieces of content. Um, a pillar piece is just a kind of the more perhaps more general or more like broad spectrum subject within that category of content that has a higher search volume and inevitably a higher competitiveness, a higher uh, keyword difficulty. Again, all of this data you can get from Ahrefs or Semrush or Moz or whatever it is, um, and so we created their pillar pieces and then started um, driving backlinks to them from support content. They also did work with a backlinking company. Again, the one that we work with quite a lot, Usurp. Um, they I think they were on a eight links per month plan, which essentially, uh, if anybody's worked with any kind of backlinking agency or service, you know that a lot of them pay, you, you pay for the quality of the link that you're getting back. Yep. Um, so I think their plan was like, 60 plus domain authority publications and, and domains that would do a backlink directly to their content with the anchor text that we wanted to be found for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, over the course of that first 12 months with them, which was about November 2020, uh, to yeah, just a few months ago, they went from zero to 20,000. Um, and they were doing about 80,000. I'm sorry, they're doing eight, eight articles a month. Um, which is, I mean, compared to what Monday.com was doing, that's you know nothing, it's a couple a week. Uh, but targeting intentionally, linking intentionally, creating optimized content with high quality images, um, custom like graphics that are branded and specific, no stock images, um, formatting from flow down the page, pulling people down the page, increasing um, time on page, reducing bounce rates, all of that stuff uh, based on the formatting of the content itself, um, and then making sure that the page experience was really good, which of course is an incredibly important uh, thing since the major June algorithm change, which means you know a little JavaScript, light pages, compressed images uh, that you know are tight and less than whatever two hundred megabytes or uh, kilobytes, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, All those best practices kind of came to the fore with them. And another component of it, and this is what I I would say to readers, is ambition is all well and good, but momentum will get you farther. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: if you're just starting out, starting from scratch with content production, I would say give yourself a bit of a break. Target lower volume, lower KD pieces in order to get something live on your page in order to get stuff indexed or to get a few backlinks. And um, I mean, create the pillar content as well, but don't expect it to rank necessarily. Create it so that it's there and you can backlink to it, but then feel free to focus your attention and, sorry, yeah, focus your attention on those lower KD pieces and know that SEO is a long game. Um, But once it starts taking over, like with early bird, once they got some of that momentum and the wheels really started rolling we did start seeing you know 50 percent month on month growth and then 75 percent month on growth and then for like six months in the middle there we were 100 percent month on month growth um, but it took us four months or so to get to a thousand um, unique visitors per month and then 1500 and then 3,000 and then 10,000 and very quickly um, it, it ticked over to the 20,000 space. And now we have to have a whole conversation about converting traffic, <laughs> which is a whole different
1: thing. Yeah, for sure. And also until, you know, all the new articles and content pieces are being indexed and then uh, they get the age that they need to in order, for, I mean, and also build up on their own authority and visitors not bouncing off the pages and so on. So indeed, it's a bit of a longer, longer game. So the sooner you start and you do things right, the better and the sooner you'll see results. Um, yeah, totally on point, uh, and I'm vibing with you, this is exactly what uh, I believe as well. Um, now let's go a bit into the techie side of things. Um, what's your experience with AI applied to content marketing, copywriting? Um, there's been some tools out there. Uh, what's your experience? I mean, uh, launched. Uh, what's your experience with this? Have you tried using AI-powered content generation?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've tested uh, a couple different tools um, that produce content based on a key phrase that you plug in. Um, Market Muse being like the main one that I've messed around with. Um, But it's interesting. You know, the question is like, are are the computers coming to take your job? And the answer is, from an SEO perspective, it depends what vertical you're in. in. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The financial (laughs) space is becoming more and more dominated by AI. Not AI written content, but content that is very much um, helped by AI. Uh, I think that those industries that are far more fact-based, just like especially with you know fi- with, with with financial, where it's like the this is the stock change over the course of the past day, and connecting that piece of data with another piece of data, um, that AI can do. As long as you put in what it needs to pull from, you're fine. Um, from the kind of thought leadership perspective, um, the idea that you know you want to produce high quality content that um, readers want to read and, and bring something new to the table, AI is never going to get there. Um, the idea of novel uh, thought is simply something that's not going to come from these tools. Um, does that mean that you can't use AI to create higher quality content. No, it doesn't. It means that you can use these tools and they're effective. Um, and then you have to go away by yourself in the dark room and come up with something new and fun and interesting and put your own voice into it and your, your own ideas into it and come up with something original on top of what that AI has already helped you do. But that's also AI-written content um, and AI-generated content. There's also a topic here around like AI helping you create content. And the fact of the matter is that AI and software has been helping us create content for 15 years. I mean, Microsoft Word 96 had that little red line beneath a word that was misspelled. And when it fixed it, that was a piece of software identifying where you had messed up and telling you how to fix it. And that is AI helping you create content. Grammarly, which has been out for however long, helps people create content and write content effectively every day, and it's been doing so for years and no one's been intimidated by it. Um, The fact of the matter is that a lot of these tools, I think the thing that people are scared by is the idea that content computers and AI, whatever will, will write your content for you and then everything will just be regurgitated, uh, you know gray matter that doesn't actually do anything or add any value. And also the original, the creators, the content writers will, will lose their jobs. And I think for me, we use a number of different tools, including Grammarly, including, including Hemingway app. Uh, we use plagiarism checking tools like um, Autocrit and writer.com. We use, again, those content outline creation tools like ClearScope and Phrase and Market Muse. We use optimization tools, which also ClearScope, Phrase, and, Mar- uh, and, 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 and uh, uh, Market Muse. Um, and then we use software to make it all kind of come together, project management software that helps us identify when a, when a, an article has included the number of, you know, key phrases we wanted to include and, and all the rest of it. Um, and all of this comes together to alleviate the human error in content creation, which is kind of scary for a lot of people because the fact of the matter is is that like human error is also what makes content original and real and and, and human. Um, But we all make spelling errors and grammatical errors that we know are wrong, um, but we can't see them because it's difficult to edit your own content. So I guess the long and short of it is that so long as you are open to creating higher quality content AI can help you but don't be concerned that it's going to replace originality anytime soon but there's a lot of tools out there that are trying
1: <laughs> yeah I agree with uh you know it's like for example with uh, music and uh, when you say like for example when you hear this perfect music and but it just doesn't touch you as much as it does uh you know a live song with you know having the E string on the guitar a bit out of or like a band on a guitar that is a bit out of tune, but just enough. So it's real. It's not just like everything recording to perfection and uh, fitting it all together or produced on a computer. So, yeah. I mean, that's Uh,
0: also, that's that's also, there's also, is that component of it, which is like, okay, if, if AI can create a piece of content, why can't a writer then come in after the fact and like tweak bits and pieces to make it sound real and whatever, whatever. And talking to, we have 75 odd freelancers on staff and none of, If we pulled them, every single one of them would rather write from scratch than edit an AI generated piece of content. And the reason for that is exactly what you say with like, when you hear something AI, like, you know, made by a computer, written by computer music, especially, um, it sounds perfect, which is weird. And with AI, it sounds close to perfect, but there's AI written content. It sounds close to perfect, but there's just something slightly off about it. And you're not hundred percent sure what, and it takes you five minutes of ending it to figure out what it is that's weird in that phraseology or in that grammar or in that sh- that, that syntax and structure, um, which any writer would prefer just to write the damn paragraph themselves rather than having to find what's weird about it because there's something that just sounds odd to my ear and I don't know what it is and then, yeah. You explode.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I can imagine having to go through you know like a normal two thousand uh, words piece of content, doing that every day, and then trying to figure out what's wrong every two seconds sentences and trying to rephrase that. I think it drives you crazy. So you know,
0: I just,
1: I just write the thing, just write the thing. yourself. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm aligned with you on this one, and you know, as I as you mentioned, I think it can sound overwhelming for somebody that has to do you know content. Writing or production, for for example, for the guys tuning in that maybe are managing the marketing but also producing the marketing, or they are a one mm-hmm. band, one man band kind of team, or two people in on the marketing team, it can sound overwhelming. But again, there are some simple tools that can help accelerate or you know just take some of the mistakes out. So for example, using a tool that helps you. Um, see how good your content is for your desired purpose as opposed to what's already ranking as you mentioned or eliminating the grammar spellings and mistakes uh these can these are tools that are accessible easy to use and can certainly contribute to producing more quality content potentially at scale 100%
0: yeah nothing to add there you're absolutely right
1: so, how do you see things going forward in twenty twenty two? We know robots will not take <laughs> copywriters' jobs. <Not> quite. That, <laughs> <Not> <laughs> that's very yeah. loud. <laughs> but um, uh, what else do you see working well these days? Or what are you guys experimenting with? Uh, where do you feel marketers should focus their attention towards?
0: Yeah. So. Um... What we're doing and how we're changing our strategy in 2022 uh, for all of our clients revolves around two primary algorithm updates that came out last year. Um, The first of those was back in uh, January, February, uh, which wasn't a major algorithm release, but a lot of businesses saw the effects of whatever they did. Um, And essentially a lot of our kind of affiliate clients who were publishing 5,000 plus word articles, the massive, massive listicles, um, saw significant uh, ranking decreases overnight, pretty much. Um, And it looks to be that Google was cracking down on those massively comprehensive guides, um, which a lot of businesses have been using for a long time to like, okay, well, if I don't have the domain authority rank for this key phrase, and the article that's already there is good, is already on the first page is good. I'm just gonna write something that's like 10 times longer in order to, to rank. Um, and it worked for a while. Cause you know, if we're talking about semantic key phrases included in each piece, and when you have 150 of them, um, <laughs> And a lot of people would, you know, link to those because they were comprehensive in scope. Um, Google's cracking down on those because the fact of the matter is, is that the, uh, the re- user experience, the reader experience was pretty poor. Um, navigating those is, oh, next to impossible. And uh, so that was a that was a thing that we're, we're addressing. Like our, what is, what we create is specifically long form high quality content. That's what we do. That's our selling proposition. What is long form in 2022? Um, in general, I have not scoped out a piece of content that needs to be more than 2,500 words in about six six months um, because pretty much every subject realistically can be covered in that word count. And if not, you should write another article um, on the related subject matter and then link to the original pillar piece. So that's the first one, um, a little bit shorter. And then kind of tied into that is, um, Focusing on page experience, which again, that was the May, June page page experience algorithm update, which um, is all about streamlining your pages and your site in general, uh, focusing on um, reducing the amount of code in the back end, focusing on, you know, high quality images that are compressed PNG um, file type that like look really good, but aren't massive. You know, I, the idea of when you go into Google Search Console, you should have no errors that talk about heavy pages or, 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 or red flags around like this page is whatever megabytes when, I, when it gets crawled. Um, and that ties really well into the like, if we're doing shorter form content of, you know, 20, you know 15, 1250 to 2500, um, then there's no reason that those pages should be massive. And the pages that were massive Um, and I think this is probably realistic, is that in February when that initial algorithm, we saw the results of that algorithm, that was Google like pushing out preliminary changes to the algorithm Mm -hmm. that would kind of then come in in full in the page algorithm, the the page experience update in in May, June. So for all of our listeners, I guess like what this means is that your content needs to be tight, beautiful. The page experience needs to be really good there needs to be clear interlinking between all content. Um, Again, based on the categories content, you should be tagging within those categories. And uh, there's no reason to go over 2,500 words on a piece. Focus on creating high quality content that's well linked internally and then driving backlinks externally. Again, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been true for years. I think that, um, I mean, people used to write long form articles and really long form articles and used to work. But what I'm saying is that everything that we like has been a bec- best practice is just can't be messed around with anymore. Like, there's no possibility of winning if you're creating 10,000 word articles that are poorly linked and extremely heavy. It just doesn't happen anymore. So focus on those few things, and you should be okay in 2022. Nothing crazy, I don't think.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll see. Super. I
0: mean, Google, Google will probably throw something at us, and then we'll have to scramble to fix it, but. That's my expectation.
1: Yeah. And in other words, uh, sort of what you also said is that, um, you know, we have video and all these other content formats, but in the end, the value of the written content stays there and having, I mean, sticking to these best practices and to the way that Google wants content to be produced by humans um, is still going to be driving a massive amount of value to brands that are using this marketing channel right and video is
0: we've been saying video is the next big thing i I wrote an article in 2014 talking about how video is the next big thing and that was my like anticipation for 2014 Um, (laughs) uh, and it's we've never been wrong Um, but for a lot of people really high quality video is out of the realm of um their marketing budget for a lot of readers because it needs to be really well-produced, the audio needs to be fantastic, the video quality needs to be fantastic, it needs to be edited really well, um, and it needs to be cut up into a bunch of different clips that go on YouTube and whatever, whatever. It needs to be hosted by the right place, those hosting sites can be expensive. Um, so I'm not saying don't do video. In fact, I'm saying you should do video. However, if you don't have the marketing budget to invest in video, don't invest in, don't, don't invest a little bit in video. Don't do mm-hmm. bad video. Um, because b- bad video is worse than no video at all, mm-hmm. um, and that's you can st- and, and and you can get a lot more bang for your buck with high-quality content uh, that is evergreen and um, targets high-volume key phrases and, and and ranks for a good long time.
1: Mm-hmm. Agree. Super, James. We get uh, we're getting close to the end of the episode together, but this was a very very cool chat. Um, Really love the energy. Where can people find you, or how? What can people come to you to help with, or connect and discuss things? What do those be?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think the easiest way to get in touch would be uh, I'm on Twitter at jd sheer, jd If you want to message me or anything like that, um, from a production perspective, head over to codas.io and yeah, book a call with us. Our, our, we, we, we kind of do consultations first and foremost because we care as much about identifying if the client is right for us as if they're like if, as if we're right for them. Um, so we usually do kind of a, a in-depth idea like discussion around like what are you doing, what's not working, why are you even in, like looking for anybody, and then we can help direct uh, businesses to other types of agencies. Or if we're right for them, then that's great. But uh, so if people are interested in doing content production, uh, get in touch. Yeah, codis.io.
1: Super. James, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was a great chat. Um, This is likely to be the one and most comprehensive uh, video for this this season covering this subject. So really happy that we had the chance to discuss this subject together. Um, meanwhile, guys, go over to codeless.io, check out what they do, connect with James on Twitter, on LinkedIn. You'll have the links to the tools that we were discussing about as well as to the platforms in the description of the episode or on social media if you watch this there or YouTube in the description as well um and until next time thank you as always for tuning in uh if you have any feedback or anything that you'd like us to discuss in more depth feel free to uh, ping us at hello at or james and james if you're up for it we can organize another episode later on to to see if there's anything relevant to the audience that we haven't covered today um yeah
0: i'd love that that'd be, that'd be great absolutely super. get in touch
1: super so yeah until next time thank you everyone for being on the show james thank you again wishing you an amazing year ahead because we are still in the beginning uh all the best of success and looking forward to catching up soon
0: thank you very much for having me andrew
1: thank you too have a nice one